Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of The Crude Report. This is a weekly podcast from Argus Media, in which we try to illuminate the big issues in today's global crude oil market. My name is James Gooder, and I'm the VP for Crude in Europe and Africa. And I'm very pleased to welcome to the pod for this transatlantic broadcast, Amanda Hilo, who is the associate editor of Argus Crude based in Houston. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing? Hi, James. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good to have you with us. Now, in previous installments, we've been looking at the liquidity problem facing the physical part of the Brent complex. That's the benchmark known as dated Brent or North Sea dated. Clearly, there's been a drop off in production and more importantly, in uh, liquidity and transparency in that market. And so there is uh, an increasing drumbeat of demands for more crude to be put into that basket to bolster the, the whole Brent complex. Now, we polled our listeners on their preferred outcome, their preferred uh, solution to this problem. And we examined the most popular option amongst those respondents. That was the inclusion of Norwegian grade Johan Sverdrup, which we found trades in a very similar way to 40s and Brent, Oseberg, etc. Though there are some quality issues, it's a heavier grade and so on. Now we're back. We're looking at another popular solution, but one fraught with complications. That's the inclusion of US-grade West Texas Intermediates, WTI, in the Brent pricing basket. Now, maybe we can just uh, start off with the way the market is, not the way that the market uh, ought to be or could be in the future. Amanda, maybe you can just tell us how the WTI exports are currently priced. Yes. So we first launched WTI FOB Houston or um, FOB Gulf Coast Assessments in 2018. Liquidity and transparency really started to pick up in 2017. And we saw the market develop in a number of different ways. There's the primary market, which is at the FOB Gulf Coast, and that'll price as either a differential to the physical pipeline market. So WTI Houston will often be a benchmark. And the other benchmark for that would be ISPRIT. Now, WTI also often trades on a delivered basis as it's quickly becoming a global crude. And one of the primary markets that we see is a delivered Rotterdam market. And on a delivered Rotterdam basis, it will trade as a differential to dated Brent. And the way that that structure works is WTI delivered Rotterdam will typically compete with your North Sea grades like 40s and Brent. But the timing is a bit different. Um, on an FOB basis, WTI will trade about 15 to 45 days forward. So we'll be seeing those cargoes trading in the market well before the pricing period um, before data Brent, which I understand is closer to 10 days to the month. And then on a delivered basis, the timing will not always line up. On a delivered Rotterdam basis, we'll see it start to trade in line with the North Sea grades like 40s. Right. Um, So, I mean, there's already that timing mismatch. And there has been talk in the past of some kind of virtual loading program in uh, the North Sea to try and line those things up. But that hasn't really come to fruition. Maybe you could tell us about some of the other issues that uh, the market will face and price reporting agencies like us will face when we think about integrating WTI into the, the Brent system. Mm-hmm. Two two of the big concerns that we see are quality and cargo size as well. Um, for example, on cargo size, the majority of the Brent grades will trade in a 600,000 barrel cargo. That used to be a typical cargo size for WTI, but due to infrastructure developments at the Gulf Coast, the typical cargo size is actually now 750,000 barrels. 
And we typically won't see a cargo lower than 700,000 barrels unless it's going somewhere closer in proximity like Canada or Latin America. Mm-hmm. Now, on quality, um, there is some variation between the the Brent grades and WTI. WTI, though, it is a light sweet barrel, and it typically will range between 40 to 44 degrees API with a sulfur content lower than 2%. However, the gravity is a bit higher out of the Houston area than it is out of Corpus Christi, which is now covering the majority of U.S. crude exports, and Corpus Christi will actually see that quality fall closer to around 41 or 42 degrees API with the silver content trending closer to 0.1% over the last couple of years. The question is just that whether the quality will align with Brent and if Brent maintains a cargo size of 600,000 barrels, will there be any cargos meeting that methodology in Europe? Yeah, good questions. I mean, as you say, WTI is a light sweet crude. Some of the issues that we hear in Europe are not necessarily that it's not good quality. It's just that the exact quality is not always known. So there are things like uh, metals content and things like that, that some uh, of the European refiners are a little bit uh, nervous about what kind of WTI they're going to get. But the Brent basket is actually slightly heavier if you look at Brent for his Erzberg Ekfist troll. Like the, the range there is like 35 to 40, so a little bit heavier and, um, and quite a range on, on the sulfur as well. So it's all possible to integrate crudes of different quality into that basket, but what we need is some kind of clarity, some kind of guarantee of quality, which isn't there yet, I guess. I guess my, my next question is about volume, right? Because everyone knows WTI is, is coming out in significant volumes. It does vary. Uh, and as you said, it, it's, a, it's a grade that can go pretty much anywhere. It's popular in Asia as well as Europe. Is it possible to get ahead of time uh, some clarity on how much of the WTI export program will be coming to Europe in a given month and thus actually competing with the Brent type grades? I guess when I say program, does, does such a thing even exist at, at the uh, US Gulf Coast? So there is a big push by certain price reporting agencies to launch a virtual program for WTI at the Gulf Coast. However, I don't really see that as a feasible goal, at least in the near term. The way that the U.S. loading programs work is it is a different loading program for each individual company at each individual terminal. A lot of those terminals are held privately. They are not public terminals, which means the transparency of those loading programs is minimal. I've also seen these loading programs tweaked all the way up until the time that these cargos are loading. So for an established program to emerge, it would involve all of the U.S. market participants coming together as one to change how the market actually works. Additionally, I don't think that if there was to be a loading program developed at the Gulf Coast, the timing wouldn't line up with the dated programs. The structure between these two markets is just completely different. And if WTI is trading on an FOB basis at the Gulf Coast, that means that it has options for deliverability. Like you said, it can either go to Europe or Asia. And oftentimes buyers don't know which direction they're going to go until they take a look at the ARB once the cargo has loaded itself. And this is especially true for international participants with assets in several regions. Sure. I mean, for many years, you know, one of the key ARBs has been the WTI Brent spread, 
But if Brent itself is being set by WTI, there's a certain circularity to that that might make it difficult to work out uh, exactly where the WTI ought to be going. Another of the big issues uh, that, that we see is that the forward contract, this is a paper contract in the North Sea, it's known as SUCO 90 or forward Brent, forward North Sea. This is a way by which physical supply can be procured uh, ahead of time. So you could buy a contract for October and then when it comes to the time you get whatever is the most competitive grade delivered to you through that contract. A lot of the time it's 40s. I guess under this scenario it could be WTI, but you wouldn't know until nearer the time. And that requires a lot of um, consensus to be established, which, which I guess is just not there between the different participants. I think it's fair to say that still, as we've gone through this process, we've seen some quite distinct camps with some, some companies be very much in favour of uh, WTI coming into the Brent's basket and others preferring to keep it at, a, at arm's length. And another question really is there is this kind of laser focus on all this stuff in Europe. Brent is obviously very important. Uh, dated Brent feeds into ICE Brent, which, as you say, is used as a benchmark around the world. Um, and we have had you know, these intense discussions, particularly over this, over this year. But how much of an issue is this in, in the US? Is, is the future of dated Brent something that is of, of concern to the US exporters, do you think? So the way that I see it is... The majority of U.S. participants that look at data print are looking at data print to calculate arbitrage. If they're trying to look at it as a liquid benchmark to price uh, light sweet crude globally, we'll see the U.S. participants start to consider domestic grades instead. If WTI were to begin to price dated brand on a consistent basis, we might start to see a shift from dated brand as a benchmark to something like WTI Houston instead. Because if WTI is going to set the price for this benchmark, then the way that U.S. market participants see it is they're going to go to where the liquidity for WTI is. And our two most liquid WTI assessments are either WTI Midland, which is in the Permian Basin, or WTI Houston, which reflects Midland quality crude delivered to the Gulf Coast. And my understanding is that Data Brent will see about a cargo, maybe two cargos per day, whereas WTI Houston, it'll trade multiple times per day throughout the entire day. So it is always a liquid assessment. I can name one time in the history since we have launched WTI Houston that we didn't have a single trade. So we might start to see some more WTI Houston showing up in global contracts. We might start to see a shift to WTI Midland or maybe even AGS. I will say, though, that the U.S. participants, they are open to a change to dated brand. They do recognize that there is a problem with liquidity that needs to be addressed. But the sentiment that I get is that there are a lot of mechanics that need to be worked out. And the way that those mechanics currently work for a WTI benchmark to price the market, they would rather it be at the Gulf Coast. That's interesting. I mean, I guess... A lot of this debate stems from the fact that pricing is already gravitating to the U.S. Gulf Coast in terms of where the global balancing point of supply and demand is and where, where price discovery happens. And as you say, we've got these uh, very liquid, transparent benchmarks based on uh, you know, openly reported trade, places like Midland and, and increasingly at Houston as well. Uh, and already people are, are using that to hedge their WTI exposure. So uh, these instruments are definitely in place. I guess we can 
start to wrap up really. I mean, this is a hugely complex issue. We're not going to solve it today. Um, but any change that happens will favour some and disadvantage others, which is why this is such a, a, a knotty debate. And I think, as as we heard earlier this year, when, when uh, another price reporting agency, who will remain nameless, tried to change uh, what was going to happen uh, with their dated Brent assessment and the amount of opprobrium and, and complaint and, and protest that came out of that, it strikes me that any change that happens is going to have to have a very long lead time because it's going to change whatever you do to dated Brent is going to change the value of that complex and all of the open positions down the forward curve may need to be renegotiated. So it's going to be a very, a very painful process. Here at Argus, we contribute to this debate by publishing different prices. You mentioned AGS. Maybe you could just explain to the listeners what that represents. Yes. So that goes back to more participants wanting a WTI benchmark at the Gulf Coast. It really came into play after April 2020 when NYMEX crashed below $0 per barrel due to financial participants being left in the market at the end of the trade month. A handful of market participants came to us saying, hey, we need a WTI benchmark, but we don't want it to be in Cushing. We don't want it to be landlocked. We want it to be at the Gulf Coast. So what we do is we take WTI trading at 11 different terminals at the Gulf Coast, and we merge them into a single assessment and offer you a daily outright price. Since it's in its infancy, we'll also price it as a differential NYMEX. So that way people have hedging options still if they want to include some NYMEX element. That's interesting. So that essentially combines all that pipeline trade and I think some uh, some cargo trade as well. Yes, um, it's actually the first of its kind of assessment. We'll take, I think it's five or six pipeline terminals. And then we have all the key FOB terminals that WTI trades at as well. And we'll normalize them to the Echo Terminal in Houston. So that way it'll reflect the same type of assessment every single day. That's interesting. Perhaps, I mean, as you say, it's early days. All these options are jostling for position at the U.S. Gulf Coast. But that could be the kind of kernel of a type of dated Brent of the region in the future that kind of amalgamates as much liquidity as possible at the US Gulf Coast. It certainly seems to to me, looking from Europe, from the old world, if you like, that all roads are leading towards the US Gulf Coast in one way or another as the kind of locus of price discovery in the future. Is that is that the way it feels over there too? Yeah, I definitely see the writing on the wall. Um, and it's it's been a steady, steady shift to a Gulf Coast focus. First, it began with NYMEX, then it began with Midland and uh, pricing and transparency and liquidity emerging out of there. Then WTI Houston, now we're looking at AGS. I think that market participants are basically trying to gauge all the possible ways that they can price WTI at the Gulf Coast. I think that's where we are headed. Yeah, interesting. So maybe maybe saving Brent isn't the answer, but maybe moving towards a, a new way of establishing a, a kind of flat price benchmark. It'll definitely be interesting to see how everything plays out. No kidding. Um, well, I mean, here at, at Argus, you know, we've been publishing something called New North Sea Dated for a couple of years now that shows what the effect of WTI inclusion might be uh, or might have been, strictly speaking. Uh, and that shows that much of the time in Europe, if you had WTI in Brent, it would be setting the benchmark more than half of the time and that the price would be lower, again, depending on the ARB and so on. And we've also... Uh, you know, been talking to the market about launching another illustrative index for data showing how Johan Sverdrup might be included. So that's uh, something that we'll be doing in the next couple of months. So for now, you know, get in touch to share your thoughts on this issue. Um, as, we, as I say, we're, we're keen to, to take everybody's view into account and we're 
painfully aware that dated Brent is not just important for the North Sea or Europe, it's, it's something that has global kind of implications. And, uh, and we have also made a commitment to continuing to provide clarity in our own North Sea pricing to keep a North Sea dated base on FOB trade in the North Sea, if that's what people want. Uh, as well as, you know, Argus, as Amanda has described, we're shedding light on the market price of WTI at multiple points along the supply chain, all the way from Midland through Houston to the coast and then into Asia and into Europe. Um, so, as you say, it's going to be a fascinating time. In the next installment of this series, we're going to look at some of the other options on the table for Brent. But for now, thanks very much to listening to this edition of the Crew Report. Thanks to Amanda for joining me. And uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Take care and thanks a lot. Thanks, guys.